Can you believe it? January has nearly gone. We are almost into February, the second month of only 12 in any year. And this has already been one of the best starts we've ever had to any year. I'm Paul, and this is a very optimistic Mastering Portrait Photography podcast. Well, I'll be honest, I did not see that coming. I think when we got to the end of last year, exhaustion took over. I crashed into Christmas, came out of it the other side, went into the convention. We're having a ball. But I think, I don't know why I wasn't expecting this year to be quite as lively as it has been. But it does seem to be that there is a ton of energy out there. Maybe maybe I was expecting the general election to be early in the year. And so things... It, tend to get a little bit quieter around uh, elections or around referenda but the phone is ringing like crazy emails are coming in this week uh, we've had a handful of uh, reveals and they've all been brilliant the clients have loved the images everything's gone well my bit of the puzzle is to create images create an experience send them away with memories and make sure they know what to expect when they come back for the sales for the reveals and they've gone really smoothly which means I've done my bit properly, which makes me very happy because, as you all know, a little bit chaotic at the best of times. Uh, but it looks like my debriefs are working. I'm getting the point across to the client. We're creating pictures that people love. And I am having a ball. I did think I might feel a little flat after the success of the Society's Convention. It was such a good week. I know, it, you know I spoke about it in the last podcast, but I'm still smiling at just how much fun we had, just how many people I met. The workshops were full. I spent a lot of time chatting photography, having interesting conversations, meeting interesting and funny people. And I think, I suppose, last week, I thought I might feel a little flat about it all, but that could not be further from the truth. If anything, I'm more energetic now than I have been for a long time. Ignoring the fact that I'm also <laughs> pretty exhausted in my eyes. I don't know why, but my eyes have been tired today. You know, you get those days when I put my glasses on and within three minutes, I've got to take them off, even though everything is just slightly blurry because I don't know why. It just makes my, it's just been making my eyes tired today. Um, maybe I just need to go and get them uh, sorted. But this has been the most successful January we've ever had. And sometimes everything goes like that. It's just hectic, it's full of stuff, all unexpected, but being busy is a good thing, I think, isn't it? Uh, I don't know. Anyway, today we've just finished the first of this year's workshops. This particular workshop was our From Shutter to Print workshop, uh, which steps through everything from picking up your camera all the way through to prepping your images ready for print. It's a huge, if you think about it, that's a huge field to cover. And of course, we try really hard to, to tune it. We, we ask our, all of the delegates coming, we ask questions on what they're looking for. So we try to make sure that everything we're delivering is in line with what would be useful for them. And at this point of the day, it's uh, quarter to eight in the evening 
I don't know, a couple of hours ago when they left, they all looked ever so slightly shattered. Whether that's just because I've thrown so much information at them, whether it's just because it's a Monday, a dark Monday in January, or a combination of the two, I've no idea. Uh, of course, I'm always slightly nervous of whether I've done a good job of delivering the information that uh, would be useful for them. But it certainly has been a blast. And it was Loretta today. I don't know if I've ever talked about Loretta. Loretta was one of my clients. I photographed her wedding. Oh, it must be 10 years ago now. Um, And we've been friends ever since. She is a ball of energy. And I absolutely love it when she's in the studio because there is not a dull moment. There's never a flat easy calm couple of minutes it's just a hundred miles an hour from when she arrives to when she goes so today has been one of those days so thank you to everybody who came on the workshop uh, and obviously thank you to loretta for more thing and once again best lunch ever the guys there's a there's a, a delicatessen in our local town of tame called what's cooking I don't know if a shout out to a small company in Tame is any good to them on a podcast that has photographers all over the world. But I'm going to give them a big shout because every time they do the food for us, it is a highlight of the day. I like to think the pictures I've created might be the highlight of the day. But no, no, I'm absolutely convinced that as everybody's driving away, they'll have been thinking that was a great lunch. We had beautiful food full of flavour. Not your sandwich, not your average sandwiches that you get in packets um, or bowls of crisps. No, no, no. These are big plates of really beautiful vegetables and salads and a quiche and chicken and scotch eggs. It was absolutely incredible. So thank you to What's Cooking in Tame for yet again. They're our regular, they cater the, our workshops all the time. I, I, when I set out with this thing... I wanted to deliver something that's genuinely useful, but also something that people will enjoy coming to. And lunch, for me at least, is a big part of that. I'm always disappointed when I go somewhere and it's a, it's a crappy lunch. You know, the, the edges of the sandwiches are curled. It's like tea in tears. Those annoyingly sweet biscuits that you get. Uh, none of that. Uh, mid-afternoon, uh, so the, the first part of the day, the first half of the day is all photography. And the second half of the day is all uh, techniques and things in Photoshop and Lightroom. And midway through that, Sarah arrives with millionaire shortbread and tea and coffee and just lovely. And it just picks everybody up long enough for them to survive <laughs> survive me rabbiting on about Photoshop and Lightroom and retouching and layers and masks and curves and color profiles and LUTs and all of the things that uh, are part of this thing. Uh, the mid-afternoon snack is my highlight. I actually look forward to it. So I had this brilliant lunch. We've had beautiful people around, created amazing pictures, had a lot of fun. And mid-afternoon, in comes a millionaire shortbread. Oh, my days. Yes, please. Thank you very much. Uh, Anyway, what did I actually learn today? One of the things that came up in the editing section, someone asked me um, why I choose the order that I do for making my edits. And I've never really thought about why in anything other than, well, you know, the background I'll do, I'll do this, then I'll do that. Then I get all the way up to the front layers and I'll do the retouching on skin, et cetera, et cetera. And any, you know, liquefying things. And actually, when I thought about it, I stopped dead and I thought about it. I edit in the order of certainty that I won't need to go back to it. Now, I've never really thought about it logically like that till today. (laughs) Maybe I should have. I've done it instinctively. Uh, So there's a thing called a desire line or desire lines. 
And these are those paths that when you look at like a park, uh, like a, a, a park, particularly in a town, like a big expanse of green, or maybe in our village here, we have um, walk into the station, you go along the path and the path dips into each of the cul-de-sacs. So the designers, the architects or the town planners expect you to walk around the corner by about 20 feet, cross the road inside the cul-de-sac and then come back out on the path. And on the corners of each of those cul-de-sacs, there's green there's grass but if you actually look the grass is worn down because people have gone sod that i'm walking in a straight line similarly in a park you'll see where the planners and the architects and the designers wanted you to go and then you'll see where people actually go and it's never the same place well there's a name for it they're called desire lines and the same is true in how you develop processes in uh, your business i've talked about this before and the trick really is to do the same thing over and over and over and find your own desire line. So much as you sit and plan things, much as you sit and analyze and decide to do this after that and that before this, in the end, you'll do what comes naturally. You'll go in basically the straightest line you can, the path of least resistance. It's called a desire line. It has a proper name. So when I was thinking about it today, because one of the delegates asked, why do I do it in this order? And what I actually do is I start with the background so I've got my background layer that's come in from the raw file. I'll duplicate that because then I've always got an original uh, layer to go back to. And then I usually clean up. So if it's a studio shot, I'll clean up the background. I'll sort out anything to do with the background because that isn't going to change. It, there's no real decisions to make there. I'm just going to do it because once it's done, it's done. I'll never need to go back to it. Then I might work on uh, all of the elements of the image that... Although they might be a quite intensive photoshopping, they definitely need to be done. So, for instance, if someone's wearing a black outfit, as they were today, and there's lots of little hairs and flecks of dust and things, they're going to need to be cleaned off. There's no ifs, no buts, no wherefores, no decisions to be made. I'm just going to clean it up. I'll never need to go back to it because once it's clean, it's clean and I can move on to the next stages. Then I've got a couple of decisions to make, um, but probably what I'm going to do is do my skin work. So if it's a face, I'm a portrait photographer, there's nearly always a face, <laughs> I'll do some skin work. I might Photoshop around the edges of the hair, any stray hairs, and I might do things like um, frequency separation and some retouching with some dodging and burning. Then once I've got clear of that... Probably what I might think about doing is maybe putting in a texture on top of a background layer. But things like that, I might change my mind about. So they're right at the top of the stack. Um, then when I've got there, if I need to do any liquefying or any puppet warping, this is the moment. This really late in the stages of photography. Why? Because I'm not certain at this stage, or I'm not 100% ever at this stage, quite what will be the right amount of that kind of work. Of all the things we do, I think it's probably the most contentious. Changing someone's body shape because I've posed them badly is still an area where it's a little bit vague as to how much is the right amount to do, particularly as, a, as someone who photographs uh, all sorts of walks of life, all sorts of ages. I don't want to be in that realm of, you know, everybody has to look a certain way. But equally, if I've posed someone not as optimally as I should have, Maybe I'll just fix that. But it's going to happen really late in the edit. So if, it, if later on, uh, yeah, I'm really close to finishing an image at this point. So if I decide, oh, I don't know, maybe I shouldn't have done that. I can go back and I don't have to undo any of the rest of it. And then the final tiny little bit, probably to put a vignette on top, 
if I if I want to, and then maybe finish off with a black and white conversion or something like Nick Color FX. So basically what I'm doing is I'm working all the way up from the bottom with all of the things that really, really, really uh, are definitely going to be done no matter what, all the way to the things. Actually, if I change my mind tomorrow, I won't have to start again at the bottom of the layer stack. And I've never really thought about it like that. Um, so many of the processes in our studio are my own desire lines, but I've never thought about that one. So it's kind of cool that at the end of a workshop, I've learned something really good as well. So thank you to everyone who came. Uh, really excited about this year's workshops, all of them. They're going to be brilliant, if, particularly if they go like today. But the one, if I'm honest, that I am most looking forward to is the one we're running on the 18th of March. So uh, I've got about six, what's that, six, eight weeks uh to think about it uh, it's called at the moment ordinary to extraordinary studio photography probably because we were hunting around for a title for it sounds alarmingly like some of jerry guionis's titles uh, but it could also have been called i don't know the storeroom studio or lighting up in the lounge no no not lighting up that makes it sounds like you're smoking lighting in the lounge or maybe uh, the basement backdrop i don't know but whatever it is titled it's all about creating magic in small awkward tricky spaces which is something I've had to do a lot of uh, when I'm working in office buildings when I'm working in other people's homes you never quite know what you're going to get and this whole workshop is dedicated to things like basements boardrooms cellars lounges hallways corridors even store cupboards I kid you not I did a shoot the other week in a store cupboard a big store cupboard but a store cupboard so at the moment i am coming up with ways to mimic what it's like to work in these little spaces that are awkward but still create gorgeous images now i'm really excited about it because one of the things about smaller spaces is you tend to get assuming you can get your kit in there you tend to get lower contrast because the light pings around a little bit and you can get some really beautiful gentle effortless setups uh, so that is going to be an absolute blast cannot wait uh, for that uh, how am I doing what did I say I was doing last week oh yes the MPP website still rebuilding it it's a long process we are getting there slowly but surely we are getting there and it is taking shape the content is nearly over uh, but I've still got to reorganize it all. And in the process of doing it, we're reading everything. I'm reading every article, double checking to see if it's still relevant. One or two of the things we've ported over that came from the book uh, and then went to the Mastering Portrait Photography website. Well, of course, the book was published in 2014. It's 10 years old this year. And some of the information in there is now, frankly, outdated. Anything to do with cameras and lighting things have moved on probably also the photoshopping although luckily the small bits of photoshopping i put in were basically about principles not about specifics so you know generative ai hadn't even been thought of at that stage nor had things like the removal tool nor had actually quite a lot of the tooling in photoshop or lightroom it just the latest versions are worlds apart from what was going on in 2014 but equally an awful lot of what's on there is totally relevant totally pertinent uh to uh what's going on so i'm we are working on it we will get there trust me when it's done we will sing it from the rooftops uh, but i'll keep you up to date with how that is all going uh, including my excitement uh for it um this week's thought of the week 
And it's a simple one. Well, they're always simple ones. I mean, I'm not a complicated guy, not really. This week's thought of the week is that you genuinely, you genuinely have the power to make people feel amazing with words, just as you do with pictures, if not more so. Why do I say that? Well, two different clients this week, one in particular, he came, he was a, just a lovely guy. Uh, he made the claim right at the beginning of the session that he hadn't really ever had a picture that he really liked of himself. And I'm looking at him thinking, I'm not quite sure why. I can't see it visually, but maybe it's the way he reacted to being in front of the camera. We got shooting and all was going reasonably well. And then suddenly something about the way he looked and the way he moved reminded me of Vernon Kay. He's from a different area of the country. One's from the north, Vernon Kay's from uh, Bolton, I think. Uh, and my client's from the south, different heights. I think Vernon Kay's about six foot eight or something ridiculous, six foot two, six, I have no idea. But he's tall and he was a model, my client, anything but. But there were definitely similarities in the mannerisms, in the haircut. And if I got the light in a certain position, the angle's right, in the way he it lit his face. And I'd said this and I'm laughing. And he didn't know who Vernon Kay was, which is a little bit sobering. Obviously, people who are younger, uh, maybe Vernon Kay's not on their radar just yet. But as I talked it through, visibly, the guy grew in confidence. You could see his body language change. You could see him just come out of himself a little bit. And of course, as he's doing that, I'm getting better pictures because his confidence has grown. It's paying dividends just having someone in front of me who feels better about themselves. Now, don't get me wrong. You cannot tell someone they look like Robert Redford if they don't. That's not what I'm saying. But in finding really good positives, things about someone, not only that you like, but things that you can verbalize, whether it's something to do with a glint in their eye, whether it's something to do with their clothing. In this instance, it was someone he looks a little bit like. And with a shoot, particularly with... Headshots where it could be corporate, it could be an author, it could be a musician or an artist. I don't necessarily know who's coming in or how confident they are or what we're going to do. Sometimes I do, but not that often. And so I will nearly always in my head figure out an actor or a public figure who has uh, a media presence. Uh, obviously not. <laughs> Hopefully someone who's nice, not a Donald Trump or a Liz Truss. Uh, to, to, and what I do is it's, with that personality is I'll figure out what would their agent have asked of them for photos? What would be in their portfolio, their lookbook? What would be on the inside sleeve of a, an author's bio? If they were in a BBC or an ITV or a Netflix drama, what would the cover shot look like? Because the thing about actors, in particular, the thing about actors is they reflect everyday life. So you get actors from all sorts of backgrounds and skill sets. You get every ethnicity, you get every gender, you get every identity, you get attitudes, you get heights, you get everything because actors have to represent the world in which we're all familiar so you get as many different types of actor as you do people on the planet and if you can find an actor that is close enough close enough to the person you have in front of you and then work out in your head quickly what might the film they're in be what might a book they've published be what would a cover look like what would the poster 
image on Netflix or Amazon or maybe in an agent book or maybe on a, on a music album cover. I don't know. I'm making this up as I go along. But if you can picture it, if you can find it, if you can drag it out of your imagination and your history, two things. Firstly, you can say to the client, oh, man, you remind me of X. And that's a very helpful thing to do because the client will grow in confidence. But secondly, so do you. Because you're now shooting with something in mind that you might not have had when the shoot, when the shoot started. You might have, but you might not have. For me, I love that moment when I open the door and suddenly I've got to figure out what shots are going to look good. How am I going to do this? What's I'm going to look at their clothing, get them to talk me through their clothing and step through all of the things we're going to do with that. I love that energy and that positivity as we drive the shoot forward. And I'm not kidding. Not only did my client feel better, but so did I, because I was now producing better pictures because my client was reacting to the camera in a way that could really only result in beautiful images. Please do, when you're working, think of ways of making your client feel a million bucks. And language is every bit as important as what you do with your lights and your camera and with Photoshop. Now that's a proper time to note, proper point to end. Uh, as always, if you're interested in our workshops, just Google Paul Wilkinson Photography Workshops uh, or head over to Paul Wilkinson Photography and look for the coaching section. Um, please do give us a like, a wave, a review, uh, some five stars, maybe. That'd be really nice uh, on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. If you want to subscribe to the podcast, please do so on your on your uh, podcast player of choice so that every time I record one, it'll drop as if by magic straight into the list of things to listen. Like I said last week, I'm going to try and keep this as a weekly podcast this time around. Shorter episodes, but far more of them. As always, if you have uh, any questions at all, you can reach me on paul at paulwilkinsonphotography.co.uk. We've had some really lovely emails this week from people. Thank you to everyone who's emailed in uh, to say they're enjoying the podcast. Uh, so you can reach me at paul at paulwilkinsonphotography.co.uk. And until next time, however your week is going, however your January is ending, your February is starting, or if you're just listening to the back catalogue, whatever it is you're up to, whatever else, be kind to yourself. Take care.